Okay, thank you very much, Pastor Marty. Great to be with you. I really do count it an honour and a privilege to come here and share the Word of God with you today. I have no claim to fame except that Jesus loves me and he changed my life completely and I just want to live the rest of my life for him. Amen? Amen. He's so good. He is so, so good. I just realised I've been sitting in a chair with reserved written on it. My wife thinks I'm anything but reserved. She thinks I'm the most irreverent reverend that ever was. Great to be here to share with you this morning. Thank you so much for last night's trivia night. I was touched, I really was touched with just the, the feeling, the empathy, the, the understanding of the plight of our poor farmers out in uh, western New South Wales and so much appreciate everything that everybody has done to make, uh, to make last night so successful and to, to uh, just know that you're there and that you care. One of the greatest comments that come to us as we go through our hay deliveries and ministering to people and doing different things, they said the hay is something, the groceries or the, the vouchers you bring is something, but to know that somebody cares and we go because you care. Amen? So we thank you. We are very grateful. Robert, you... I really don't know where I'm going with what I want to say this morning. But I do know this. For the last six weeks, we do a lot of driving. I've been singing a song that I learned as a kid in church. It's not top of the pops in Christian circles today. In fact, I haven't heard it sung for many years. But it goes something like this. To get a touch from the Lord is so real. If you draw nigh to him, he will draw nigh to you. To get a touch from the Lord is so real. Don't get me wrong, church. I love conferences, I love seminars, I love strategizing, I love programming. I don't even mind run sheets in church services on a Sunday morning. But to get a touch from the Lord just so totally changes your life. There's nothing like getting a touch from the Lord. I've noticed over the years, Christendom is moving ever so slowly away from the fundamentals of the Pentecostal experience that we were brought into. And we're replacing it with so many other things. They're good things, don't get me wrong. But they'll never affect and impact a life like a touch from the Spirit of God. Yeah. And I want to half share my life. I want to half share something from the Word of God this morning. But I'm believing that before we walk from this place this morning, you're going to get a fresh touch from God. Because if you get a touch from God, your life will be totally changed. It will never, ever be the same again. I'm only a young man, but I've had three experiences in my life 
that have totally revolutionised, changed, given me direction, given me meaning, set me on a course. I'm not perfect, don't get me wrong. If you found the perfect church, don't join it. Because you're going to muck it up. We're not perfect. But God sees us through the eyes of the finished work of Calvary and he says, you are good. Someone says, how you doing? You say, I'm good. And they say, oh, there's no one that's good. God's the only one that's good. I said, if you had imputed into you that God imputed me, you'd be good too. This is the reality of walking, talking, experiencing and knowing Jesus Christ deep down on the inside. I'm not talking about feeling goosebumps on goosebumps when you come to church on Sunday morning. That's easy. A lot of music is written to excite the soul today. But when you get a touch from the Lord, you walk out of here, Monday morning it's the same, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and you bring it back to church on Sunday morning with you. We don't have to just come to church to get our kicks. We get it as we have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to read you a couple of verses of scripture, if you would, please. I want you to go to a very difficult chapter, a very difficult book to find. It's called the book of Genesis. And we're starting at chapter 1 and we're even going to start at verse 1. So if you can find that, it's page 1 in my Bible right after the acknowledgements and the books of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I believe that between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, there could be a million, two million, three million, I don't know how many years. But in the beginning, it all started because God did something. Amen? Let's get that clear in our minds. And verse 2 says, The earth was without form. It was without void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, to be without form, what's it mean? It means that it was just lying waste. It had no form about it. It didn't look like anything at all. It was just a whole nothingness of nothing, black, pitch black. Secondly, it says it was void. I've always remembered what that word means. I was in first year at high school and the principal, Angus R. Bain, used to take us for reading. And he asked a question and I made some silly answer like I usually did. I was a horror at school. No, you can't, can you? My wife swore an oath that she won't say anything to anybody because she just loves me. I made this stupid answer and old Angus Arbane said to me, he says, Jackson... You are void of common sense. You're laughing, but I felt good. 
I didn't know what void meant. I thought I had something that was peculiar or different to everybody else. I was void of common sense. I didn't realise I had none. But the earth had nothing. And it was living in total, complete darkness. What's darkness? Darkness is just lack of light. But then something happened. And this is the crux of what I want to talk about this morning. Because church, before God found each and every one of us, we're in exactly the same situation as Genesis 1.1. I particular was void of common sense. I was in darkness. I didn't know where I was going. But then the Spirit of God hovered over this mass of nothingness. And the Spirit of God turned something that was nothing, absolutely nothing, (coughs) into something that was pulsating, living, breathing, producing, growing, productivity, personified, left, right and centre. And today, my message for you is very simple. If you haven't had a touch from God for some time and your life's not productive and it's not growing and the grass isn't green, now, as I said, we're not perfect. Don't aim for perfection. It's only going to happen when we go through the pearly gates. But if your life is in darkness and when it's dark, it's a bit hard to find your way, if you don't know which way's up in your experience and it matters not whether you've been born again for 50 years, 60 years or 60 days, you need a touch from God because when God touches, when God hovers over the life of a person, when God hovers over the life of a group of people and the Spirit of God begins to breathe or a word is spoken over the life, something happens. It's been downplayed for many years. I have had the extreme privilege of coming to know Jesus Christ at the age of eight in a little AOG Pentecostal church in Gilgandra. It had just come through in its very infancy stages an absolute sovereign move of the Spirit of God where his spirit was outpoured on a family out there. And if you want to have an enthralling three or four hours conversation with Pastor Arden Burrell and his wife Pat, go and talk to them. They were in the middle of what was happening. The Spirit of God was just poured out sovereignly on a bunch of good old Church of Christ people. Nothing wrong with the Church of Christ. Don't get me wrong. They just need the Spirit of God to hover over them a little bit more than what he is. But something changed their lives and it was absolutely infectious. Amen, Art? Something was uh, enthralling about it. I had never experienced, I was eight years of age when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Saviour. A couple of months previous to that, 
My mum and dad were invited to a tent crusade in the main street of town. I can remember it as clear as day. We had the uh, Westpac Bank, but it was then the, what is it before that, Bank of New South Wales on one side, Fossey's building on this side and the big car park in the middle. And we had a tent crusade there. I didn't know what a tent crusade was. A tent, as far as I was concerned, was things we used at the Scout. Didn't know the gospel could be preached from a tent. Sawdust on the floor, fold up, stacker by chairs. And the guy that was doing the preaching was the pastor at Peak Hill. His name was Jonathan David Wilkinson. Does any remember J.D. Wilkinson? And he began to preach the word of God. Now, I don't know whether you ever saw the man, but fair dinkum, if he stood on this platform, he'd touch that beam up there. He was a long way up. And when he got his hands going, he started to remonstrate and demonstrate what God could do. His legs were going, his arms were going. My mum honestly thought he was going to take off. He was just so full of the Holy Ghost because he just received something from God in the power of the Holy Ghost. And it just totally changed his life. I have no idea what the man preached about. But at the end of it, he said, if you want to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour, I want you to come out the front and make a public dedication of your life to Christ. I was sitting there, my dad was there, my mum was there, my younger brother here, my older sister was up there and I was sort of in the middle and I saw my mum look at dad and I saw dad look back at mum and I said, something's going on here because one mum looked at dad or dad looked at mum at home, I was usually in for a flogging. (laughs) And I thought, something good's going on here because I haven't done anything wrong to my knowledge and something's going to happen here. They got up and they walked out the front. All three kids got up and walked out with them two months later in a Sunday school class in the supper room. I can remember it as clear as day. My Sunday school teacher, Pastor Arden's younger brother, Peter, led me in a sinner's prayer and I received Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. I grew up in an atmosphere of revival. I don't know how many pastors have come out of the Gilgandra church, but I would guarantee there's been more come out of that church than have come out of any AOG Pentecostal church in Australia today. And most of them are still doing it. We were born in a move of the Spirit of God and it couldn't help but affect and change your life in the right direction. Now, I didn't immediately turn into a saint. (laughs) If you look at me and you don't like what you see, just remember God's not finished with me yet. (laughs) Amen? I'm getting better. I really am. I'm learning not to be such a a bushwhacker when I come to places like this because I'm told it's politically incorrect. (laughs) (laughs) But God is doing a work in each and every one of us and he's doing it for the express purpose that what, what you get will be contagious and it'll just brush off on people around about you that do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. And if your battery hasn't been recharged with a touch from God, if the Spirit of God hasn't hovered over your life for some time, I pray God before we leave this place this morning, 
you're just moving out the door about six inches above the ground as the Spirit of God just touches your life because that's the effect that it has upon your life. God began at a very young age to show me things that I would be involved with. In fact, he even told me where I would preach at the first church and I had no idea that I was ever going to be a preacher. As far as I was concerned, I love farming and I love football. Still love farming, still love football, given up playing, but I still love watching a bit of football. Go the Broncos. But my story starts, and I think I shared a bit about this last time I was here. I shouldn't be here today. I should have died. At a very young age, I think I was about four hours old, the doctors brought me into mum and said, Mrs Jackson, he's not going to make it till the morning. So we brought him into you, we take him out of the humidity crib, and we just want you to spend the last hours with him. And my mum took me and she laid me on the breast and she said, Father, I don't know who you are, I don't know you all that well, but if you save his life, I'll give him back to you. If you're going to pray and mum, give up. <laughs> She's going to win. i got a praying wife, and if she says, God, change him, I give up. I'm going to change. We've got a boy that's not quite as close to God as he should be. We had a daughter in the same boat. She's come back and found God. You know the first thing she did? rang a brother up who's a little bit older than her and said, David, give up. It's going to happen anyway. Why? Because this woman down here just never gives up. Had an experience with God. Knows that God loves the kids. Knows that God wants to bring them back into the fold. But he's not going to bring them back if we're going to be half-hearted and cold about our experience with God. I spend a lot of time away from my wife, but I'll tell you what, when I'm coming home, my car finds an extra 50, 60 kilometres an hour and I find an extra leg, I get all excited about 50k out. The whole heart starts to palpitate like her love never leaves me. I'm there wherever I am, I know her love is with me, but when I'm coming home to get another touch from the real thing, I start to get excited about it. Folks, if we don't get intimate with God, if we don't find God for ourselves, don't live on the experience of somebody else. Get in there and find God for yourself allow the spirit of God to hover over your life and just go relentlessly chasing God because God says if you seek me you will find me he said if you're hot or if you're hot or cold he said I'll he said you make me sick I'll just chundy up and get out of your way but the world also recognizes if we're serious or we're not serious with God When we get serious with God and we begin to carry the presence of God, we don't have to tell people we're Christians. Being a Christian is a bit like being a woman. If you've got to tell them who you are, you're probably not. (laughs) But when the presence of God dwells inside of you and you brush up against a person, they will like to be close. They like to touch you. We do about 60 funerals a year and to God be the glory, not because the poor people have died, but we do them by request these days because they said, we want the guy that did Auntie Mary's funeral. And look, 
I'm as ugly as a hat full of hammers. I've got no claim to fame. I can't preach for the love of money. But when the Spirit of God anoints the words that I speak, then his word accomplishes that for which it is sent and it never ever returns to him void, but it, it accomplishes in the lives of those around about us the work that God wants to do in their lives. It's not our ability. Folks, I threatened to be, get expelled out of school three times. I spent three of the happiest years of my life in third grade. I was as thick as two short planks. It's not your ability. You can't do it on your own. Moses says, God, I can't lead these grizzling, moaning, whinging mob of people that you tell me you love. I don't love them. He said, God, I can't do it. And God said, Moses, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. Folks, when you carry the presence of God, that's all you need to do. Occasionally, I pray for people for healing if they request it. But as a rule, I pray for the presence of God just to be in me, on me, around me, above me, under me, beside me, and in my pockets and everything else. Because when the presence of God is on your life, and on your life as well. Peter, walking down the street, the presence of God was on his life and people were being healed as he walked past. That beats paying a lot of money to hire a room and put on a big crusade just carry the presence of God downtown and you'll be the Pied Piper of the gospel because people are looking for reality. And my Bible tells me that my life is an epistle seen and read of all men. You know, I've seen churches go through all different stages. I know back when I got born again by the Spirit of God all those years ago, there was an atmosphere of revival. People got saved in that little church that you never would expect to get saved in that church. Arden's mum used to walk the street to Gugandra teaching Bible lessons to all the kids. Those kids finished up in Sunday school. Those kids finished up in church because someone was dedicated carried the presence of God into the rooms, the houses of so many people in Gilgandra. She is a household word in Gilgandra. She went to be with the Lord, what, 30, 40 years ago? I don't know how long ago it was, but a long time ago. But when we carry the presence of God, needs are met. Yeah. I'm not against programs. I'm not against trivia nights. I thoroughly enjoyed last night. And for everybody that gave, thank you so much. A farmer will sleep well at night. And I want to tell you, they haven't been doing that lately because they've spent all the money that they've got. They've spent all the money they can borrow. 
and still the drought goes on. Church, I believe with all of my heart, this is the church's finest hour. If we can take the presence of God, not just to the drought area, it doesn't have to be a disaster. It can be good times. It can be bad times. But if the church of the living God will carry the presence of God into the heart of this country, this nation, up and down the coast, through the inland, we can see this great south land of the Holy Spirit enjoy and experience that which has been promised to us. I'm a little bit like... Uh, Joshua and Caleb. They spied out the land and they saw a mountain that they wanted. It took them 40 years to get it and they weren't young people when they got it. And when they walked into the land of milk and honey, walked into their inheritance, there was nobody in the camp more excited than Joshua and Caleb. And I believe the minute they crossed the river into the land... They says, give me my mountain. I want to climb my mountain. Church, we've got so much at our disposal today. We've got the internet. We've got mobile phones. I got here the other day because I got a GPS. I wouldn't have a clue where to find Newcastle, let alone to find where Patton Arden live. We have everything at our disposal and we're still not spreading the gospel. We're working in areas where the um, back in the early, late, middle 1800s, early 1900s, the Bush brothers would go out on foot and they would be away for eight months at a time on their own. If they were flash, they had a horse. If they were super flash, they had a horse and cart. But one man I know, he did 40,000 miles in one year on a push bike, preaching the gospel. With everything that we've got out at our disposal today, we need to be about the Father's business. Don't go out half-cocked. Go out with the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Allow that anointing of God to hover over your life again because when the anointing of God hovered over the life of earth as it was in Genesis 1-2, the very word that God spoke became reality. It didn't take months. It took... That didn't work, did it? Just took that one millisecond and what God spoke came into being and at the end of every day after he'd done the work that he wanted to do and I believe the first 14 verses of Genesis which was a creative week becomes a redemptive week in my life because God and in yours also because God is still speaking over your life if you haven't heard the voice of God for some time guess who's moved If you've lost your way for a while, don't blame God. He ain't going nowhere. He's still there. But when we allow that anointing, that presence of God to hover over this atmosphere of nothingness, no form, totally void, total darkness, no way up, he began to speak. And as he spoke, it happened. As he speaks over your life 
from today onwards, it will happen in the same way because God has saved us for the purpose of touching others. And it doesn't matter whether it's with a bale of hay or with a cooked meal or a sponge cake or I like pavlovas if anybody cooks pavlovas. <laughs> pavlovas, cream, banana, passion fruit, real cream, oh. But we can do it, folks. We can do it. The second experience I had in my life, fast forward to the early days of 1965. I was a 17-year-old lad in the Gilganda AOG church. Things hadn't settled down too much. It's still vibrant, still pumping. We bought an old power station in Gilganda and converted it into a church. It was known as a powerhouse. <laughs> powerhouse it was. Saw some good things happen there. It was announced on uh, the Sunday morning meeting that there won't be a Tuesday night Bible study or a, Wednesday or a Thursday night prayer meeting. We have a guest speaker coming this week. He'll be here Wednesday night and we need to be here. Anyway, Wednesday night came. My mum said to me, son, do you want to uh, drive me into church tonight? And, of course, my eyeballs lit up. I just had my license. Yeah, Mum, I'll drive you to town. No, I wasn't really interested in going to hear this turkey preach. I'd heard somebody on Sunday. Didn't do me much good. But this fellow, right, I'll take you in, Mum, mainly because I want to drive you into town. Hey, fatal mistake, folks, fatal mistakes. <laughs> my mum won again. <laughs> Went into that meeting. I sat down in the back of the hall right behind me was the back wall. I'm rocking back and forth on my chair as the service progressed. And the leader of the service got up and said, now it's time to hear our guest speaker for tonight. I'd like to introduce to you Pastor Philip Favalora. Some of you may remember Pastor Philip Favalora. He got up and he started to talk. And of course I'm down in the back rocking back and forth on my chair, yahoo and shyacking about. 17 years of age, seven years or whatever it is since I received Christ as my Lord and Saviour and I'd sort of lost a little bit of the get up and go, hadn't quite responded the way I need to. And Philip was up there and he was talking away before he started to preach and then he just stopped, stopped dead in his tracks. And I looked up because there was nothing coming from the preacher at all, it was just dead silence. And here's this guy looking over his horn rim glasses right down to the back of the building, about where I was sitting. And he was like a cricket umpire. And he's just looking at me over his big horn rim glasses, big snorkely head out here. <laughs> I remember him. It's, it's imprinted on my mind for eternity. And I saw his hand start to come up. You know, like the cricket umpire. And his hand was 40, or his finger rather, was 47 foot 6 long because it stopped about here. <laughs> and all I could see was this great big Italian finger looking right at me. A set of eyes just behind it going right through me, through the back wall, through the park, cars across the street, into the park. And I think the people in the swimming pool would have felt it. And he's looking right at me. 
And he said, young man, you can't generalize with God any further. It's time you got serious. Well, suddenly the drive home didn't sound all that exciting. I picked up and I bolted out the front. I didn't care who was in the meeting. I just didn't want him to say anything else about me. And I'm not saying he would have, but just in case he didn't, I did the quick step and said, yeah, bro, here I go. <laughs> and I'm out there. And again, he said, you're not here to generalise. This is serious business. God wants you. And it's now time to start doing what God wants you to do. I was a farmer. I loved the land. I loved our old D4 bulldozer. I loved our bulldog tractors. I learned to sing on them. You can pick that up fairly easy. But I just loved what I was doing. But I again was confronted with the call of God upon my life to do something that God wanted me to do. Why? Because a man of God moved in the spirit sufficiently enough to speak a word over my life that scared the living snotter out of me and pulled me into gear to do what God wanted me to do. Church, don't let it get to that state. It's not good. The drive home is very quiet. <laughs> Breakfast table the next morning, mum, dad said nothing. But I sat there knowing that they knew full well that their son was not going to be a farmer. When the Spirit of God hovers, when he speaks a word, when he touches your life, you will change. All things pass away. In the next couple of months, I lost the urge to farm. I gained the urge to learn to fly, which we couldn't afford. But a couple of weeks later, sitting at the breakfast table, dad up one end, mum down the other end, me on this side, my younger brother there, my oldest sister had gone and got herself married to Ardenborough's sister and she was out. Yeah, brother, sorry, yes, she's not one of them. <laughs> I am improving, folks. <laughs> and mum said, son, I think you need to learn to fly. Well, I just come out of the chair. I was just so excited. Always wanted to do it, never told anybody. Mum said, I want you to learn to fly. I knew instinctively when mum said, I want you to learn to fly. She'd heard from God. She knew what my future was. Never, ever, ever underestimate the prayers of a praying mum. I had the distinct honour and privilege of bearing both my mum and my dad in the last few years and honestly I am so grateful that they brought me up in the fear of God. But at 17 I was living the life that I thought. I was in the church. I thought I was good. Gentleman by the name of Jack Coy, preacher from Holland, lived down in Melbourne. 
He came through and he preached not long after I had my experience with Philip Favalor. I never saw Phil again. Didn't particularly want to, but I'm glad he came. <laughs> and Jack Coy said, just because a chicken is hatched in a cow yard or in a cow paddock doesn't mean that chicken is a cow. And you can be brought up in church life and you can say all the right things, do all the right things, sing all the right songs, that make you Christian. I've discovered in the years since that there's two types of Christians in the world. Some Christians go to church, other Christians are the church. And when we're fired up, touched by the Holy Spirit, yep, we are the church, but we also want to go to church because we fellowship with people of like faith and we feed off one another. Fast forward to 2002. I think I was about 19 or 20 years of age by then. And my wife and I took a three-month sabbatical from pastoring the Guild Church and uh, we went up to Halls Creek to where Pastor Max Wilshire was having a convention. We took about a month and a half to get there and a month and a half to get home. We did a convention at Marlborough. Anybody been to Marlborough? I've seen the presence of God burst out in Marlborough amongst those Aboriginal folks so they couldn't stand up. They were absolutely paralytic for days. Great experience. But we got into Horse Creek a couple of weeks later and we had the convention up there and we were out on a basketball court, open-air basketball court, lawn and tar all around us, no dirt, nothing, just smack in the middle of the town. Yeah, keep going. It'll come. About 300 people present. I think I was one of seven white people that were there. The rest were Aboriginal people who had just seen some phenomenal things happen. You talk about bringing the presence of God with them to church. They bring the presence of God with them. In the service, the song service, the worship service went on for probably an hour and every time the song leader looked at Max, Max said, yeah, keep it going, keep it going. I thought to myself, this guy's got nothing to preach about. He just wants to have a song service tonight. Aren't we carnal? <laughs> anyway, I'm walking around with my video camera and camera and I'm taking shots of this and shots of that and it looked good and I was feeling good. The presence of God was electrifying in the place. And... Um, <clears throat> Suddenly the music stopped and everybody just stood there in absolute quietness. You weren't game to lift your head. I sort of lifted mine a little bit and I looked at Max. I knew something was going on. I didn't know what it was. And as I looked at Max, Max just said, I didn't know really what he meant, so I looked up. And right above us, It cracks me up every time I think about it. There was a cloud just out of arm's reach. You couldn't touch it. You weren't game to touch it. But I was very, very, very much aware that I was standing in the presence of a hovering Holy Spirit. 
I thought, no, it's only a dust storm coming in. No, it's only a cloud coming in. It wasn't in the wet season. There wasn't a cloud in the sky, bless my heart and soul. And as I looked up, you just became so aware of the presence of God. The song service was led by five guitars that would have had seven strings between all five. Half the time they'd sing in language and you couldn't understand it. Their voices weren't all that crash hot. I'm not knocking them. They were up there just having a go. But the worship and the praise just ascended up to the throne of heaven. And the throne of heaven said, this is too much. I've just got to come down. And he came down and he presenced himself with us. It was videoed. I got a copy of it at home. I mightn't be able to find it immediately, but it's at home there somewhere. And the presence of God came down and dwelt amongst us. I will never forget those three experiences. And my heart's cry is, God, we've got to get back to our grassroots. And we've got to experience your presence. Keep your programs, keep your trivia nights, do all that. But in the midst of all of it, allow the presence of God to just so permeate your life. Suddenly scriptures like, if you seek me, you will find me, became real to me. I go looking for God. I probably don't do it as much as I can. But when I'm driving along, I got 36 and a half metres of road train behind me and I'm chauntling down the road, 650 horsepower at my disposal. It feels good to have that power under your feet. But when the presence of God just starts to fill the cabin of that truck, the old truck starts to grunt because there's not enough power. Because it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Church, my message is very simple this morning. Don't go on any further if you haven't got a fresh touch from God in your life. Because you can have more degrees after your name than a blinking thermometer and won't make a scrap of difference unless you're carrying the presence of Almighty God. In Genesis 1-2, it says that the Spirit of God hovered over the mess. You move on further into the Old Testament and we notice that the Spirit of God occasionally would fall upon people and they would prophesy. It fell upon Samson and he flexed his muscles and pulled the opera house down. It happened in so many occasions when the spirit just came onto a person's life and then it lifted off. But once you get past the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit was poured out and we need to preach more on the Holy Spirit because the blood and the Holy Spirit is all we ever need to conquer the world for the kingdom of Almighty God. But when the Spirit of God was poured out, it was poured out on mere humanity. Fishermen, shepherds, farmers, truck drivers, firemen, whatever your role is in life. 
the Spirit of God is poured out. And what started out as a word from God to change the world in which we now live or to make the world in which we now live, fast forward to now, that same anointing, that same presence of God, that same word is in your mouth, even on your lips, because it comes from down here where the Spirit of God dwells. And when you speak that word, something will happen. At the end of every verse where God spoke the word, the verse finishes with, God saw it and he saw that it was good. Folks, this morning, you're full of the Holy Ghost. You're full of that anointing. God looks at you through the eyes of the finished work of Calvary. You might say, I'm not there yet. I know you're not. It haunts me 24-7. But I'm a work in progress and so are you. But God is bringing to pass his plans and his desires through the life of a vessel that we see is not too crash hot, but God sees fully endowed with everything that you need to carry out the plan and the purpose of God for your life. Let's stand to our feet. Church, I can't give you a touch from God. I can agree with you. I can stand with you. I can believe with you. But you've got to reach out to God and say, God, I've been in this darkness for long enough. I want something to happen that is real and meaningful. I want something to happen in my life that when I walk into the workaday world tomorrow, people are going to know that I've been in the presence of Almighty God because that is perfectly scriptural. It says that the scripture knew, the, the people of the town knew that these people were unlearned, ignorant, void of any common sense. But when the Spirit of God walked into town with them, bodies were healed. People said, what must I do to be saved? That's what it's all about, church. Bringing people into the kingdom of God. Today, let it be the first day of the rest of your life, walking in a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit and having that assurance within yourself. Wild horses and starvation couldn't change the course of my life right now because I know I'm on a mission. And like the Blues Brothers, I'm on a mission from God. Church, let's unite together, join together this morning with an understanding this ain't about us. It's all about those that do not know Jesus Christ and taking the presence of God into the world that they inhabit. Because it says the whole world is waiting for the manifestation of the sons and the daughters of the Most High God. Father, I pray for this great bunch of people Lord, I thank you for what they've done for the cause of our farmers. 
I thank you, Father God, for everything that's happened, not just this time, last time, the weeks and months, the years that lie ahead. But, Father, I pray upon everybody who is looking for a fresh touch of the Spirit of God this morning, that right now your Holy Spirit will hover. Father, assure them that they are standing on holy ground. Give them a burning bush experience that will totally change their lives for the sake of the kingdom of our God. And like Jesus, when he was questioned by his parents, let them say, know you not, but I must be about my father's business. The anointing of the Spirit of God on each and every person, young ones, old ones, Males, females, everybody, a fresh touch of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen.